Hello again and welcome to the Gospel Boldly podcast where we confess with St. John that these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. We're your hosts, I'm Thomas Lemke. And I am Pastor Brown. And I like your new uh, mic. It's interesting to see that hanging out in front of your face as opposed to your old, uh, where is your old mic? Is that, you're you're wearing a different headphones. I I have different headphones on too. In fact, I... I'm going to turn my head and see if Thomas can see. I, I have my Darth Vader headphones. Oh, I remember those. Yeah. 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 So, so I've got, I pulled out the old Darth Vader headphones and I, I have a new stand mic since, since, since Pastor Riley over at the uh, Simulcast, we were doing a, a little series on James. We're about ready to finish it up. A- and he and Pastor Gillespie made fun of me because I didn't have. Uh, my, they didn't like the quality of my headphone mic. Although, hmm. although I will say, Thomas did a fantastic job in producing with the old mic. Um, <laughs> and th- and then I, I lost my latest- presets because I updated Adobe Audition. <laughs> I listened to the latest episode of uh, of the Simulcast while I was driving. They were talking about how everything is consumerism and what new thing are you going to buy? I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, bring that now. If I buy a new <laughs> mic, yeah, but but still, it is kind of nice to have a. a, a Okay, it's not a professional mic. It's a cheap mic, but it's actually a, a cheap, good mic. So, it, ah, okay, that'll be fun. I mean, realistically, I have a more professional one, and you'll probably still end up sending the same as me by the time it's all said and done. So, oh, yeah. we'll, we'll be fine. If you could see the, the video, Thomas has this awesome, it looks like a, a radio boom mic, and it's got like a really nice pop filter on it. I mean, it looks very, it's got this really thick metal ring stand it looks like something out of a, a future spaceship to mars or something man it's kind of awesome it's the uh oh what, what's that one show the Battlestar galactica or which whatever the one with the gateway is you go through oh it. stargate stargate yeah it yeah. does kind of look like, like a stargate, stargate thing, from a microphone all right really that fun. was profound man <laughs> profound and deep okay. uh, where are we at in the scriptures we are i are in john 15 but where again verse 18 we just finished 17. All right. So just remember, this is all part of the, uh, it often gets called the upper room discourse, where mm-hmm. basically from John 13 through 17, instead of going over, this is the Lord's Supper, and then we went to the Garden of Gethsemane, John gives the conversation of the evening. He, he hits the highlights of what's going on. And actually, I, I'm guessing that they're actually on their way to Gethsemane as we go through this. Because you, you basically have him say, let's rise and go from here. Rise, let's go. And then he keeps talking. So I'm, I'm imagining, I, 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 I do, here, here's my bold hypothesis. Are you ready? Go for it. Jesus is capable of walking and talking at the same time. I mean, you don't feel like that's a stretch? Well, I, I know some people want to 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 bring out how, how just, Jesus couldn't really do all that much, but I think it's it's plausible to say that that. But right. it, let that if, stand. If the disciples were just really slow in standing up, and he talks for two more chapters and prays over them to finally get them to stand up, that could be entirely plausible too. But <laughs> probably they're they're going. So, all right. Well, let's go dive on in. All right. So picking up in the verse eighteen of chapter fifteen, Jesus continues, "If the world hates you." Know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember, the world is what I, uh, the word that I said to you, a servant. All right. 
so we get this wonderful thing to start off. Now, now this does not sound like super chipper happy talk, man. Mm. Jesus, why are you bringing me down? Why are you harsh in my mellow? Now, think about this. Think about this. Jesus is on his way to be arrested and killed. Mm-hmm. And what does he tell the disciples? All right. Now, now things to remember when I'm gone. <laughs> uh, you know, well, let, let's be honest about this. Uh, if... <laughs> If you happen to find that the world hates you, i.e. you're going to find out that the world hated you, if you find this out, remember, and what's neat about verse 18, it's literally, I would translate it, you know that me first the world has hated. So the it's that perfect, it's, guys, the, the hatred of God has been going on in the world a long, long time. It's not just starting mm-hmm. with the crucifixion. The, the hatred of the world towards God starts when? I mean, enmity begins when the fruit is plucked and, and then eaten. He, he's saying, listen, this is the reality since the fall. And the world has been opposed to the gospel, opposed to God and his salvation. And that's the reality. But no, too, this is what I've called you out of. This is what I've brought you out of by my word. I've called you out of darkness into my light. And so you get this, don't be freaked out by the rest of the world. Don't, don't get so caught up or surprised when the world is not Christian. Now, Thomas, I'm going to ask you, what country were you born in? I was born in the country of Texas. All right. Very good. (laughs) And, and and what is the predominant religion at the time of your birth of the country of Texas? Uh, Predominant? I'd have to go back and look at 88 statistics, but as a, mm, on the whole, I'd say probably Christianity. Yes, that would be correct. <laughs> we, we are, in, in America, we were born in a predominantly Christian nation, or at least nominally Christian, mm-hmm. in, in terms of the, the typical allegiance. Uh, in the course of your lifetime, O Thomas, what has happened to the nominal allegiance of the typical American to the Christian faith? It has become all the more nominal. <laughs> right. I mean, this is one thing where, where if you want to think about this way, if you want to think of the whole culture war thing, really what the culture war is, is just we had this wonderful, unusual time period of around 200 years where generally the predominant idea was to be relatively Christian. And actually, you might say, really, was a blip of our good 70 years. Mm-hmm. Really, you go back before World War One, and things are really kind of not overly Christian. Basically, the U.S., if you look at the, the religious history of the U.S., we kind of get religion after we go to war for a bit. We, we were quite religious after the Civil War because that put the fear of God into us. We, we, we got a little bit more religion after <laughs> got religion. I, I did air quotes. Uh, we, we, we got some religion after World War I and World War II. That, that did put the fear of God into us. Or who? Uh, those of you who are college-age listeners and not high school-age listeners will remember what happened right after 9-11. The churches were full for around a whole two weeks, and then things went back to normal. So what happens is just the normal course of the world is when things are going well, you kind of don't want anything to do with God. You you disdain, you you don't want anything. In fact, the the 
talk about a deity to whom you will be accountable for your actions, the talk of, of the fact that you are a sinful human being, who, who's got time for that? How, how dare you, Thomas, do anything but affirm me in all of my lifestyle choices? And God was kind of pushed into a corner or actively kicked into a corner. And that, that's normal for the world. The problem is sometimes we forget that that's normal. As Christians, we don't think the way the world typically thinks. We see things through a completely different lens. We, we see things through the mercy of God, and that's not the typical way the world sees. I, I have a, <clears throat> an assertion for you, Thomas, and I want to see what you make of this. Last Sunday on the One Year series, the gospel text was from Luke chapter 6, and it begins, Be merciful as your Father is merciful. Judge not, lest ye be judged. Now, most of the time when we take judgment, or judge not, how does that get used in society? Right, right. We, we think of judgment simply, in, or first and foremost, as that condemnation, that finger wag. No, bad dog, no biscuit. <clears throat> However, Thomas, that's not the only type of judgment there is. There is a bad judgment. You are bad, Thomas. Naughty, naughty, bad, Thomas. Um, isn't, you are good, Thomas. Good, Thomas. Yay, good, Thomas. Have a biscuit. I, isn't that also a judgment? Now, what do we crave in society? It's not that we just say, don't tell me what I can't do, but it's also, you better approve of everything I do, and you ought to tell me I'm wonderful and support me and validate me. Isn't that just as much a judgment? And so the point is, look at what the world does. The world craves, I want to for the good, po good people, I want a thumb down for the bad people, and you better put your thumbs up the same way I do, and your thumbs down when I don't, otherwise you're going to get a thumbs down. No, 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 no. That's the way of the world. Be merciful. Your Father in Heaven is merciful. Have a focus not on trying to prove, oh, this one's good, this one's bad, but say, no, no, no. We're all sinners, man. God is merciful. It's a completely different take. We don't have to... Thomas... We don't need validation for this. Now, granted, my sinful flesh loves validation. Please send your thoughtful comments and, and praise on Facebook and, and share with your friends. But, but ultimately, in terms of, of how we relate to God, it doesn't matter what, uh, one hill of beans whether or not people pat us on the back or whether people mock us. That's all judgment game. Our focus is on mercy. We have received mercy. We show forth mercy. We've received love. We show forth love. We, we have received forgiveness. We forgive. It's a completely different approach from the, the constant validation game, the constant judgment game, the constant these are bad, the constant outrage cycle that we see in the world. And so Jesus says, look, the world's going to hate you because your main goal is not going to be to pat the world on the back. There will be times you tell the world, well, no, what you're doing is wrong. Here's salvation over here. The problem is people don't want salvation over here with Christ. They don't want salvation of the word. They want, I don't need any salvation because I'm awesome on my own. How dare you tell me I'm drowning? You should tell me I'm a good swimmer and encourage me. Well, yeah, but we've got a lifeboat over here. Tell me I'm a good swimmer. Okay, yeah, yes, you're a good swimmer. I, I validate you. I, does that track and follow? 
any other thoughts here bouncing off of stuff with, with John? All right. He does bring up one thing, too, with just the uh, very quickly. If they keep my if they keep my word, they'll keep yours. Jesus pointing out that that while we make the the New Testament, the Old Testament, it really is all one continuous flow of the church. It's not as though, oh, look, the church starts on Pentecost. Well, the the New Testament church does, I suppose, say, but it's still a continuous flow. If they actually paid attention to Moses and the prophets, they're going to hear you because when you preach Christ and him crucified, you are preaching the fullness of Moses and the prophets. Does that track and follow? All right. We don't have much time left, do we? All right. All right. Any other awesome thoughts before we go to break? This wonderful timing and this wonderful uh, transition to break was brought to you by We Need Validation. All right. See you guys after the break. And we're back on the Gospel Bully Podcast. And, and I do have to admit, there, there's one thing that does amuse me. I, I'll listen to the podcast, and I don't stop here at the break. So it's just like, and we're going to break. And we're back. So it's just like, oh, okay, all right. Well, so, so if you want to insert your own commercials, take a break, listen to a nice little song off your MP3 player first, and like, okay, and then come back, or, or whatever. So, But we are back, and, and we've had time to recombobulate, even if you haven't, listeners. So keep up. All right. <laughs> All right. We we are to the the segment called the the backwards life, and and Thomas is going to give me a a theological truism or idea, and I'm going to come at it from a backwards angle and see if we can get more uh, more into it and see what's going on with it. So, what you got for us today, Thomas? This is the part where I ask Pastor about places that build homes for individuals in the community. But because my mic has shorted out, apparently, off and on throughout this episode, I'm recording it back in. So, Pastor, what is the deal with uh, places, Christians, and uh, organizations that build homes for the homeless? Like, Like Habitat for Humanity? Okay. Well, ooh. Okay. Let, let, th- this becomes one of the things where uh, I, I will put out this way, the dangers of bait and switch mercy. Uh, as I just said before, be merciless, your father in heaven is merciful. Um, if, if I show mercy, th- that's it. It has to be no strings attached. And it's one thing if, if I, as a Christian join in with other folks and we do some if we want to do some great project great we'll we'll build houses we'll do a food bank we'll do whatever whatever kind of of charity and love it needs to be free and by free i mean not in terms of oh you can't contribute to it no i mean if 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 i help you build a, a hundred thousand dollar house for but you have to front up twenty thousand dollars of it. hey that's that that's still eighty thousand dollars that that's not what i mean by free i have no idea how habit for humanity works because i i'm not handy so i don't like help build houses that would just cost people money in the long run <laughs> oh here's something that pastor brown built man we have to fix this already Urgh! but but if we use our charity our mercy to 
reflect back to us or to try to manipulate people into coming into the church, then it's no longer mercy. It's a payment. It's it's a transaction. It's a, I'll, I'll do this for you, but I'm expecting you to do this for me. I'll, I'll pat your back here. You're going to pat my back like this. And that's a transaction. That's not fundamentally mercy. That's not caritas. That's not charity. That's not agape. That, that's not love that expects nothing in return. And the problem is our sinful flesh wants to get something back. We want a return on our investment. Um, we, we, we want to know that if I put my, my, my 10% in, that, that God's going to rich me abundantly. But what, did you think God's not going to take care of you whether or not you give? But we want to we, we want to be in control of the reactions, and, and we can almost use our charity as an attempt to control our neighbor. So so the backwards thing would be a warning of let your charity be charity. If you're doing something so that oh well they will know we are Christians by our love. Well, you know actually it's let your light shine before men so that people may see your good works and do what glorify your father who's in heaven. You get this, this idea and adage over and over again that we even got this at the end of, of the last week in, in earlier in John 15, that, uh, that when they see the fruit, they will glorify the father. So if you are going about your actions in such a way as to gain something back to yourself or to your church or to your congregation, okay, we're going to do this so the folks in town think we're swell— that's not really charity. Now, this is not to say there's nothing wrong with the transaction. And if it's upfront, and that's honest what you're doing. Like if the youth group is doing a potato bar fundraiser, hey, great. We're all aware that this is a potato bar fundraiser. That That's what it's for. They're doing this so they can raise funds to go, hopefully, to the next Higher Things conference. But but that's not mercy. That that's that's We're going to raise funds and have fun. It, that's not Grandpa Schmidt's having a hard time cooking for himself. I'll take him a potato. I'll take him a dinner. But he had better, better cut a good check to the, the whatever. No, no. So as long as you, as long as you are giving freely without any expectation of return, mm-hmm. then it can work. But the fear that I often have is so often we can bring in that expectation of what are we going to get out of this. Um, we have a preschool. How many members have we gotten out of this? That preschool is expensive. Well, no, no. We should be doing the preschool because it's a good service to the community, to the kids, and it teaches them. And we might not see anything out of it. And you know what? That's perfectly okay. Because, one, it's up to God what takes fruit and where. And it might not take fruit or produce fruit for us. It might produce fruit for others. And you know what? We can do that because we don't have to worry about what we get back because we're in God's hands cool. so does that work definitely all right okay cool i will accept it <clears throat> all right so validate me validate me <laughs> all right <laughs> you know i'm just gonna be yelling randomly validate me notice me senpai um, <laughs> all right let's carry on with uh where, where are we at i think 20, uh 21 21 mm-hmm. all right let's dive on in okay But all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin. 
but now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now that they have seen and hated both me and my father, but the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without a cause. But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And you also will bear witness, because you have been with me from the beginning. Now you get this interesting thing that Jesus points out. Um, one of the reasons why people really dislike the Word of God is that when the Word of God speaks, it makes them realize their sin. Um, I'm going to go back to Genesis 3. Okay. Adam and Eve eat the fruit, and yeah, they've sinned. They realize they're naked. But when do they really freak out about it? I mean, only when God shows up on the scene, really. Because, well, well, I mean, we, we can kind of we can kind of like chill in our sin if we want to, because mm-hmm. that's part of the nature of of now being fallen. Hey, I'll kind of enjoy my sin. Woohoo! And, and And I'll call it good even though it's not and and but then god comes in and and you have the the truth of god's word shining and contrasting against our own falsehood and it tends to really annoy us Mm -hmm. um this becomes one of the things that that's just a a simple fact and jesus bringing this up you are going to be speaking my word and it's truthful and you know what happens that's going to annoy folks because it's going to the old sinful flesh doesn't like knowing that it's dying, mm-hmm. doesn't like knowing that it's dead, doesn't like being told that it's not all that in a bag of chips. True statement. And, and so you have this this thing that goes on where it's basically you're going to end up preaching law and you are going to confront people with their own sin and they're not going to have a cloak. They're not going to be able to say, well, this is actually virtuous. Well, no, it's not. They're, they're not going to be able to dance around and tap toe and, and say, look how great we are. And they're going to hate this teaching. Um, but the thing is, you know, that's okay. At least to, to you, Thomas, it's okay when people hate you because really it's not you they're hating it's not the messenger they're hating. Well, maybe they might hate the messenger too, but, but really the, the thing is they're hating the one who has sent you, the one who gave you the message, the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light and put his word upon your lips and put his word in you. Mm-hmm. Um, you often become, this is one of the things that, that is interesting. Another observation I had, um, there are times when, um, I can be very self-conscious if I'm wearing my collar because okay. people will treat me different because if I'm wearing my, my tab collar, which mm-hmm. I'm not wearing right at the moment because it was rainy and such, but if I'm wearing my tab collar, my, my clerical, I get treated differently in public. There are some for whom that becomes the, the uh, symbol of, of instant respect. I'm back in a land where there are actually Roman Catholics as opposed to Oklahoma where you live can't find any of them that's true and, and, and I'll, I'll get called father routinely oh hello father oh, okay all right and uh but then you'll also get the 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 skewed looks the 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 things where you become the symbol of the church that they disdain 
And so Jesus really pointed out when you're doing church things, when you are speaking of my word, when you are identified by my name, hey, Thomas, do you have God's name applied to you? Yeah. When it is clear that you are the baptized, the church, those who have been gospeled boldly, those who are redeemed, people are going to respond badly to that. Mm -hmm. Okay, now I'm going to ask you a question, Thomas, because now that we've finished this chapter, to, to think about this. Sure. How much in your youth were you taught and emphasized this idea that, that the world will disdain you? Oh, There's no right I mean, answer. I mean, it's just a good question. How, how often were you? Gosh. It, it wasn't like it was on everyone's lips all the time or anything like that. I, I It came up in confirmation class with Pastor Nairns, surely. Okay. Um, I don't think I really got a grasp of it as a concept, irrespective mm-hmm. of any teaching until much later. Okay. It, it's one of the things that I think sometimes we undersell. Because mm-hmm. we, 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 I want the best for my kids, mm-hmm. right? I, you want the best for yours. I'm, and, and you know, I don't want that that conversation of you know, you you, you keep faithful as a Christian, people are going to kick you in the teeth. Mm-hmm. It is not necessarily a chipper conversation. But no, note how much of this whole passage, this whole section of of Jesus preparing us for life and the disciples for life in the New Testament church is, yeah, they're going to be mad at you, and, and there there is a a temporal a hatred in the world that you will face on account of me. You're going to be pruned. The world will hate you. There are going to be times where life is not all that and wonderful. And how often do we still, I think especially in America, we have that, that pervasive attitude, the, the attitude of American Christian Christianity, which is not really a part of Lutheran heritage, no. but, but American Christianity is the idea that if you are a good Christian and you keep your nose clean, then things should go better for you. But when you look at the narrative of the scriptures, uh, if you strive to do that which is good and righteous and and remain faithful, how does it go for you in the scriptures? Well, let's see. One had a cross. Um, others we'll, had... We'll start, we'll, we'll start with Jesus. That goes bad. Yeah. How'd it go for Daniel. I mean, there's lions involved. Now, granted, he was he was released, but he's still in captivity. Ezekiel. Still in captivity. Jeremiah. Uh, well, in a pit of slime and then killed by Egyptians. Elijah. Um, Elijah or Elisha? Okay, so Elijah Both. was, you know, taken, but uh, Elisha. Well, in in the intermediate time, it was it was fed by ravens because it couldn't even get near any convenience stores or anything like that. <laughs> in, in exile, my, my favorite little note from church history, St. Athanasius, for uh-huh. whom the Athanasian Creed is, the, the premier defender of the Trinity after the, the Council of Nicaea, was a bishop for 51 years, mm-hmm. spent 17 of those in exile because he was faithful and he got hounded. That's not the idea we normally think of. Have a happy day, y'all. Okay, <laughs> let's come back to the, we'll see what we pick up after the break. All right. And we're back on with the Gospel Boldly podcast, and we uh, 
I think we're basically finishing up John 15 and we're moving on to John 16 now. Interestingly enough, uh, the end of 15 and the beginning of 16 normally is one gospel lesson for the uh, one-year series. So we really are connected. Remember, the the breaks in the scripture, even the, especially the verses, especially the little stuff they put in your Bible, like the, the headers, that, that's not in the text. It, it's a happy narrative flow. So let, let's press on with our narrative flow. And can you do verses one through, uh, I don't know, keep reading to your, you think you've got a good spot to stop. Okay. I have said all these things to you uh, to keep you away. No, to keep you from falling away. This, this is going great so far. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed. Uh, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. Okay, how about we stop there? Sure. Yeah, I tell you to do what you want, then I jump on it because that's just <laughs> how capricious I am. Now, we get something here. I want to bring up something that is, that is neat. Jesus says, I'm telling you all this. I'm I, I'm telling you all this harsh and, and I, I'm harshing your mellow man to keep you from falling away. Mm-hmm. Because if you remember from the parable of the sower, what are the things that, that will happen to you? Well, you know, thorns and weeds are going to try and choke you out. The rocky soil is going to try and dry you up. This is the reality. Be prepared and know what's going on so that when the world comes after you, it's not, wait, what? This is not how, how religion is supposed to work. You see, in the, in the pagan world, to the pagan mindset, religion is always transactional. If you, if you do X, Y, and Z for the pagan deity— they should be they, they should be covering your back. They should be giving you stuff. Mm-hmm. If I go sacrifice to the fertility god, then by George, I should have some fertility. Mm-hmm. If I do the right sacrifices to the corn god, my corn should be thick. And that, that's the way it's supposed to work. Harumph. And so when you think about Jesus, yeah, um, you know, the way this one works is uh, you—, you you, you worship God, you, you remain faithful, and the world's going to kick you in the teeth. <laughs> not, not a lot of temporal gain here. Right. And, and I'm just giving you a heads up because, I mean, this is just the reality of the way things work in a fallen world. Um, that, that whole attitude of karma of, of if you do good, you get good, and if you do bad, you get bad. Well, it's nice to say that, but you know what? A lot of times the poor are really kind of nice and the rich are kind of jerks. And, <laughs> it and, happens that and, way. And, and, and you can acquire power and you can use it and abuse it and keep power. Yeah, yeah. That's not the way the world really works. It's a nice thought. But even with your Eastern religion, they kind of have to kick it to the afterlife. Okay, we know karma should work, but it didn't work in this lifetime, so uh, we'll just throw it down the line into your next life with air quotes. So it's he a says, over right. account, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, I've said this to keep you from falling away because it's going to go bad. In fact, uh, they have this idea. What is the significance of putting you out of the synagogue? Well, I mean, the synagogue is the Jewish congregation. It, I've heard it compared to church. I, I don't like that comparison overly much. But the synagogue is the cultural, social, uh, God-worshipful hub. And when mm-hmm. you get put out of it, you're not just out of, you know, oh, you can't go hear a homily on Isaiah anymore. You're really out of the community in a very real way. You become a shunned individual. And not only that, remember, Judaism was a legal religion. True. 
when the Christians are kicked out of the synagogue, when they are declared to be no longer Jewish by the Jewish community, what does that suddenly make them? Outcasts. An illegal Pains. religion. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And as far as Rome is concerned, too. part of the too, reason yeah. for why, why there was such bad blood between the Christians and the Jews in like the first few centuries, because when the Jewish people said, no, you're, you're out of the synagogue, they lost their protection. They lost their, their legal existence, which meant it suddenly became, well, if we want to have open season on the Christians, we can. I mean, even even as Rome had problems with, with, with Jewish rebellion, they never made the exercise of the religion mm-hmm. illegal. They always allowed for it. But when Christianity is no longer Judaism or it is not counted as part of the synagogue, it's open season. In fact, not only will it be open season for the Romans, it's going to ratchet it up. Even people will kill you directly and they think they are serving God. Well, I mean, we end up seeing that by, by Acts chapter what, 6, 7, whatever it is. So you're saying this goes beyond revoking your tax-exempt status as far as Rome is concerned a bit? Well, I, th- this is... This is bad. I mean... <laughs> Uh, do I want to go on? Okay. Not to do the whole, back in my day, I had to walk uphill both ways to school. But but even with, with bad things coming, one of the things that's coming up now is uh, the California legislature is basically on the verge of passing a law that would uh, highly, highly regulate uh, what religious universities can demand in terms of religious standards, mm-hmm. in terms of can you make a non-religious major have to take a religious class? They're going to try and cut that out. Can you demand that non-religious professors, professors in accounting, can you have a religious standard for them to hold to? And California is trying to outlaw that. Well, what do we have? We've got a college out in Irvine. How's that going to impact us? Well, yeah, that, that's annoying, but it's not death yet. So, I mean, it, it's one of the things where we're – think of how agitated we're getting just with this tip of the iceberg. Mm-hmm. And now hear this. Yeah, guess what? They're going to kill you. Uh, but yet, but yet, for how many of our brothers and sisters throughout the world is that the reality? Uh, too many. Too many. You, you go over to the Sudan on the border between North Sudan and South Sudan and you, you read this passage and they – they don't think in terms of, hmm, tax-exempt status might go away. Ugh. No, they think, oh, yeah, the raiding party might come over. Boko Haram might attack. Well, yeah, they took out the village to the west of us. And mm-hmm. so it's, again, this is what, where we should kind of count our blessings and not become too enamored with the riches of the world. But, all right, there I ended the harumph. Allow, okay. Thank you for allowing me to be an old, grumpy man. But but this is the point that Jesus is bringing up, that, that things can go sideways in this world because of your faith, and you shouldn't expect it to be otherwise. Ooh, but wait, I go to the big church because that's where all the good people go, and that's how I can network and meet people and, and, and make connections. Oh, that's not part of the Bible, is it? No, no, I haven't. No. <clears throat> for, first, for... Uh, First Ferengi chapter two, go, <laughs> go to the church where you buy, you can establish uh, connections and make ladinum or, all right, if we had any truck bands, they might have done. <laughs> all right, let's carry on. Okay. Uh, and they will do these things because they have not known the father 
nor me. But I have said these things to you, that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. I did not say these things to you from the beginning, because I was with you. But now I am going to him who sent me, and none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. All right. How much time do we have left? About six, six and a half minutes. Okay. All right. I, I have to figure out how I'm going to pace this section in the next. Um, what you get here is Jesus brings up a simple point. I, I haven't really talked that much about this stuff in great detail because I was still with you. In other words, I was going to be here to calm you guys down when things went sideways. Uh, when we went through uh, Mark and other times, or if you just go through the gospel, think of how often Jesus is calming the disciples down. The disciples will freak out, and Jesus is like, no, 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 calm on down, da, 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 da. Well, he's dealing with the reality of, yeah, I'm going to be crucified, and then I'm going to rise, and then I'm going to ascend. And guess what? The job's going to change. You're not going to be the ones who are supposed to run around like chickens with your heads cut off. You're supposed to be the ones who are going to be speaking the word of God so as to calm others down. And you know what? You're not going to be able to do that on your own. Because if I just leave it to Peter to say what Peter wants, Peter's going to say some pretty stupid things. <laughs> right? As exhibit A, let, let's talk about roosters and cocks and all that and three times and all that. All right, we'll, we'll, we'll see that coming up. Yes. But, but when I go away, I am going to send you the helper, and this is to your advantage. So, Thomas, let me ask you this question. Sure. And this might be what we end up discussing. <clears throat> do we generally today think that it is for our advantage that Jesus has ascended and we have received the Holy Spirit? I don't, I don't feel like it gets couched in those terms very often at all. In fact, I, I am more apt, oh, to hear, oh, if, if only Jesus were here now, people would really believe and see. And, and I mean, think if Jesus were reigning on his throne in Jerusalem for a part of the thousand year reign and everyone, well, when Jesus was running around Jerusalem 2000 years ago, did anyone, well, I shouldn't say anyone, did people all pay attention? No. no. It's not going to be any different. But here's the thing. Here is the great advantage that we have in the New Testament church, in the church of Pentecost, because Jesus here is really talking to, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit come Pentecost. And what's the advantage after Pentecost? Um, let us say we're two years into Jesus' ministry, a year before the, uh, the, the crucifixion. Mm -hmm. um, if we want to hear Jesus preaching, where do we have to be? Where he's at. So if he's on one side of the lake and then gets in a boat and goes to the other side of the lake, what do I have to do? Well, you got to find yourself a ferryman <clears throat> or you got to really hoof it around that lake. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll really hoof it around and we didn't pack a lunch first. And now he goes and, all right, he'll teach us on the other side. Man, we're starving. Thankfully, he makes his bread and such. But I mean, still, it's a lot of stuff. And that's when he's up by by the Sea of Galilee. What if you, what if you lived over by the Syrophoenician woman? Or what if you lived down in Jerusalem? Or what if you lived even further south? Well, guess what you are? You're, 
you're, you're out of luck. Mm-hmm. But with the Pentecost, what happens? I will pour out my spirit. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. So what happens is now, instead of having just Jesus preaching just himself in one discreet place, hey, hey, hey Thomas, how, how many places are in there the world are there in the world where you can go and hear Christ crucified proclaimed? Oh gosh, the number is too high to count. Thankfully, think about this: how many different physical locations? Will Jesus come to people in his own body and blood this upcoming weekend, the Lord's Supper? I mean, just in Oklahoma alone, you're looking at potentially hundreds to, to maybe thousands. All right. All right. So so think about this. Listen, I, I know you like me having hanging out with you here, disciples, but it's to your advantage that I go away. Because you know what? Um I'm going to be with you always, but not in terms of me doing the direct talking. No, no, you're going to be the church, and in the church I will be speaking constantly, and I will be with you sacramentally in 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 my body and blood, and it's going to be all over the place. Thomas, we don't have to go to Jerusalem to hear preaching. In fact, people can even kind of download a podcast. It's portable. Ah! <laughs> okay. I sound very excited there. Yeah, I excited. That's definitely but, the word. So the the point is, look, Jesus is becoming, and he's going to is becoming is sending the spirit so that the gospel may spread all over the place. No longer will it be confined to the one location, but rather the true location. The new temple is the word of God has become flesh and dwelt among us, and he dwells with us wherever we are around his word, around his sacraments, wherever we are in his name, which is really a pretty cool concept. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about it. If Jesus were still hanging around, it'd be like, well, wonder what the waiting list for that is. (laughs) Guess what? Your church probably doesn't have a waiting list. So be glad, hear the word of God preached to you, and enjoy all that good stuff. All right. Make sense? Totally. All right. Well, that probably should do it. We should pause there, and we can carry on the next time. and, And you guys all have a great week and all that jazz. Sounds good. 